I'm happy to have on the show today, Ron Kamen. He's the CEO of EarthKind Energy. They consult on clean energy, go clean, save green. And we were just talking about a story around a renewable organ. Yeah, so my wife, we're a blended family. When she had her first kid before me, her placenta broke. She was bleeding out, needed emergency transfusion. Got it. But then when she had her final kid, a bunch of years later, they found she had hepatitis C. By the time I met her, this hepatitis C was eating away at her liver and she needed a new liver. We were told by a Cornell Columbia doctor that you're probably going to die if you get on the transplant list before someone else dies, gives you a liver that's suitable. But if you know someone that'll give you half of their liver, it's a renewable organ and it will grow back for both parties. And lo and behold, that's what we did. So while we are a blended family, never had a kid together, we had a liver together. It's the only body's only renewable organ that grows back in three months. And it's like having your cake and eating it too. Give someone half your liver, it grows back. And it's also in giving you receive because now half of my liver is brand new. So I could drink like a 20 year old again, if I want to. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. So definitely donate your liver. I don't know if anybody should be doing it just so it grows back, but I think you had the right reasoning. Yeah, it was a way of organ donations are really important for everybody to think about doing when we're passing. But in the meantime, I never knew that you could give someone half of your liver. And like that inchworm we had in the high school biology class, you cut it in two and both parts grow back. And resilient organ that does a lot of bodily functions beyond the ones I knew of, 140 different ones, actually. Amazingly critical organ and one that is very resilient and that can grow back if you give somebody half of yours. So. On the conversation topic of renewables and sustainability, isn't that also the space you're in? Yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. So I started out working on policy issues and helped put in place some of the policies in New York State and elsewhere that are now leading the clean energy revolution in New York. But in addition, I work primarily now consulting for property owners who want to make transitions to clean energy. And I work with them first on energy efficiency, then on clean energy generation, primarily with solar and battery storage, heating and cooling with air and ground source heat pumps and geothermal, and then also electric vehicles and charging systems. So energy is really three components, electricity, it's the heating and cooling that we do in our buildings and elsewhere. And it's also a transportation system. And when you take a look at carbon and greenhouse gases, each source of energy contributes about a third to the carbon emissions. What are the most common issues you're seeing when you're trying to go in and do these big installations? Biggest issue I find is that most people think first that these technologies aren't ready for prime time. And the reality is they're very well proven. They deliver day after day. Second most issue is that they that it's going to be too costly and that the upfront costs are going to be prohibitive. And sometimes that's the case, but more often than not, when someone has a total cost of ownership model, when you take a look at how these technologies perform over time, the amount of savings that you're going to get out of them, what happens is that the total cost of ownership is very clear. Clean energy technologies blow away fossil fuels almost across the board, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, really. So the first thing is that people are, don't understand the technologies, don't know what they are. Second, they think they're too costly. And little do they realize that there's various ways of putting together projects that can save them money from day one, produce long-term financial and environmental benefits, and even with proper financing, do it with little or no out-of-pocket cost so that they can save money from day one and have long-term savings as well. Are you working also on storage solutions with them to store the energy produced? Yeah. So storage is, fair, is amazing how fast that industry has also grown. 
the best, I think, identification for most people is now electric vehicles. While Tesla has taken that market off in a totally new direction, you have every major manufacturer of cars in the world now pursuing electrification and transportation. We're seeing it reaching tipping points where a vast significant percentage of the population are choosing these vehicles. And they're doing so, one, because the upfront costs have come down, so they're comparable to a gas vehicle. But even more, what happens is that over time, the fuel savings, the maintenance savings are dramatic. So when you take a look at storage, the first place to look is in electric transportation. But then when you take that same technology now and you apply it to buildings, what you're seeing is that solar with battery storage provides a very resilient 24-7 way of delivering power all the time. You can combine that with wind. You can combine that with other sources of clean energy. And now with battery storage and thermal storage, you have the opportunity to have 24-7 on-demand clean energy and at affordable prices. Is there a good storage system yet for residential or is it mainly commercial right now? It's mainly commercial right now. There are some residential packages out there that are getting there. They're best really when combined with solar on a residential project because the solar and the battery storage work together then to provide resiliency as well as low cost power. And you can get some additional incentives from the federal government, from state governments usually and local utilities on doing the both at the same time. So home residential storage systems are coming along. Clearly, though, the bigger is better. But the thing that gets me most excited is the fact that as we move to electric cars, what you find is that an electric car has in that battery pack, because it's set up to go fast and long distances, that battery can also supply electricity to your home or to other buildings. So an average, let's say, Nissan Leaf for the average family can supply up to three to four days worth of power for a whole house. When the grid goes down, if you have an electric car now, and the Ford company with their F-150 is promoting this as a way of additional benefit for their electric trucks, you can plug in your electric truck into your house and it can actually be your power system, your backup generator. So that mobile storage is going to be really critical. In the city of White Plains, they've been working the school system with the utility, Con Edison, to have school buses, which are basically a megawatt of power. The electric school buses are a megawatt of power on wheels. And what they're doing is they're showing that during the down season, when kids aren't going to school during the summer, those batteries can be charged during the night, discharged during the day. It provides some benefit to the grid. It provides another revenue source for the school district. And if they need it, those mobile school batteries on wheels can now provide emergency backup power for a community center or a senior citizen complex or hospital or wherever else. So they become mobile battery backup power sources. So I think that storage, that mobile storage is going to be really critical to our future as a society. And It'll be really interesting to see how that develops along with stationary battery storage. So how would that look from an output perspective? Are you just plugging in like a standard 110 into the bus or? You can. That's one option is that basically some of these vehicles are set up so you can just plug right in, plug get 110 power, or even 220 volt power. When they're grid connected, it's usually at least 220 volt that they're discharging. So that is a little bit stronger. So for folks aren't familiar, 110 is a standard battery, is a standard plug in our homes, 110, 120 volt. 220 is what we use for our electric stoves and electric dryers. So most homes have 220 volt or better as part of their setup. 
And then commercially, it's always there's at least 220, sometimes there are 440 or better voltage in those. And that's a, a bigger, deeper discharge. But that's what a DC fast charger is doing with these electric vehicles, is that it's usually at a much higher voltage and a much faster rate of discharge and potentially of charging and potentially discharging. Yeah, ideally, we get to a point where you have a way to quickly discharge all the power into your home and power the home for a certain amount of hours. Yeah, actually, the F-150 can supply a home with enough power, the average home, for five days. And it's a little Nissan Leaf for three days. It's, it's pretty amazing the amount of energy that's in these very compact mobile power sources. I haven't seen the Ford's ability to do that yet. I have to check that out. But what would that, does that look like? All right, let's say I just I have a home and I want to put that energy into them. How do I connect it and get that there? Yeah, there's some software you need. You got to make sure you have the right plugs in the right location to plug into your vehicles. Those are two pieces that you have to keep an eye on. But basically, just like you would have a small emergency generator that you would hook up into your house, you would plug in the same, uh, the, these electrics, vehicles, Ford, F-150 or whatever, into your home in the same way. The grid goes down, you'd switch your power source to your car, and now that would provide the energy into your space. This is interesting stuff. What would your advice be to new entrepreneurs, people just thinking about starting a business? I think the first thing is to go out and intern or work for some company that's in the space that you believe you're going to want to get into and see how you like it. Because one of the things that folks find is that they have a kind of image about what a particular job is going to be like. And then when they start doing it, they may find that uh, it's not quite what they thought and not quite what floats their boat. My personal example is I went to college originally for accounting and management. I love that accounting and management skills, but when I thought I was going to be an accountant, I find my, found myself sorely mistaken when I worked for an accountant and realized that I couldn't sit in a dark room and count the pennies and do all the things that the accountants do. Love having those skills, love having those abilities, but that was not for me. So first thing I think is get some experience, hands-on experience, doing what you think you might want to do with somebody who's doing it, learn from them, see how you feel, see if it makes you, cite you and get you where you want to be, the first step. The basic thing is this, is that we're seeing in the world right now, massive amounts of fires, floods, extreme weather events are increasing exponentially. Every year we're getting more and more of them. They're having more and more damage. There's really a threat to our whole entire civilization that we need to deal with. Great thing about clean energy is it provides a way to deal with that existential crisis in a very significant, positive way. And simultaneously, you can save people money and build a better economy and have meaning in your life and in what you're doing. So I believe that this is the issue of our time. This is what we all need to think about at least somewhat is how can we move to a clean energy society? How can we do it individually in our homes and in our workplaces and in our schools and everywhere else that we have impact? And to do that, we will safeguard the future for ourselves, our kids, and all future generations. So if our listeners wanted to learn more, check out your company, how could they do? Yeah, the best way is just go onto our website, www.earthkindenergy.com. It's like mankind or humankind, but it's earthkind. And or you can contact me, Ron, at earthkindenergy.com. Thank you, Ron, for coming on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. Make sure to smash that subscribe button. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki, and we'll see you next time.